from Royal St. George's at the 149th Open Championship. This is the Open Podcasts. It's day two of the 149th Open. I'm Di Doherty, coming to you from the Starters Hut once more. Before we begin, remember to subscribe to the Open podcast to ensure you get each episode we release as soon as it goes out. And don't forget that you can follow all the action coming up this weekend on the Open.com, the Open app, and on the Open's social channels at the Open. Now, Rob Lee is back on the podcast, desperate to be here once again. I was. Yes. It's the Starters Hut with Di Doherty. Wonderful. So good to see you again, Rob. I saw you five minutes ago. A big welcome to Andrew Cotter. He commentates on uh, just about everything, even his dogs. But of yeah. course, here at the Open for the BBC. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> really? Thank you. <laughs> no. Now, the last group uh, teed off at 4.16. Rob, you were actually on the driving range. I was watching you on TV last night and it was getting pretty dark. What was it like for the plays in that last group finishing? It was, I mean, it was it was overcast, leaden skies. It was cold. It was windy, very windy. It was tough. If you were last in last night, it was really, really tough. There was only one man on the range when we did the show between half eight and half nine, and that was Patrick Reed. My goodness, yeah. working hard. He was working hard, yeah. yeah. Um, we have to talk about, let's go right to the top of the leaderboard, Colin Morikawa. And uh, after our podcast recording yesterday, Morikawa signed for an excellent 67 in tough afternoon conditions. And he really continued that brilliant play today. He looked really good to potentially breaking some records, seven under through 14 holes. He was flawless everywhere. Let's hear from Colin now. Yeah, you know, I feel pretty good. Um, you know, towards the end of the round, we, we, stopped, we stopped hitting fairways. We stopped, uh, you know, making a few birdies. But, but overall, it was a very good uh, 64. You know, I'll take it. Um, but we've got two more days. You know, a lot ahead of us. But the game feels good, and we just got to keep sticking to that game plan for the next couple. You know, it was, it was a little cold. I'm, I'm not going to complain. Uh, but it was a little <laughs> cold. I kept that sweater on earlier this morning. Um, but right now, it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's not windy. And um, I expect a few low scores out there as well today. He had a great up and down on the 13th hole after finding a fairway bunker and then birdied the 14th. A bogey followed on 15, unfortunately, but Colin still had a chance to shoot a special score. Insi Mehmet followed his last two holes. It's really just incredible to see the mannerisms of Colin Morikawa head down, walking down the 17th. The fans rooting for him, shouting his name, but looks focused, looks relaxed and focused all at the same time. It's that combination of feeling loose but intense. That's that's how I describe his body language. And let's see if he can hit an absolute ripper down the 18th. Testing par four to end on. As I'm walking down the 18th fairway, I'm just recollecting my memories of Tiger Woods, watching him growing up as a kid, and I know for a fact that Colin Morikawa did the exact same. He took a three-word off the tee on the final hole, but even the way he held his balance, looking so poised and fierced all at the same time. Hopefully he has two shots left, an approach shot and a putt, which would result to a birdie would mean that Morikawa would tie the course record of 63 here at Royal St. George's. Simultaneously, that would match the lowest score at an Open Championship through 36 holes. This is big. 
Nice three-quarter follow-through. Straight at it. <gasps> yeah, that's a cracker. Pin high. Part for birdie. He's kept his call all the way and it's slipped out. What a shame. He can't have a perfect round of golf. You can hear the applause and the support from Morikawa. What a day it is. Andrew, I'm going to come to you first. So a 64 for Colin Morikawa. Could have been a 63. It could have been lower, in fact. What did you make of his play today? Do you think he's going to become the most famous Colin in golf? I know it's spelled differently, but this Possibly. is somewhere in Surrey. Somebody's fuming. Actually, I think he's over in the States just now. He's after playing in the US Seniors Open. No, he'll be a British, British Senior Open. He'll be in Surrey. Yeah, sorry, we are, of course, talking about Colin Montgomery. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Are, are there any, order can we think of other Collins in golf? Uh, in golf, there's not not oh, too many no. that come to mind, I've got to no. say. It's a strong name. I mean, look, he is just a brilliant ball striker. Mm. But even in that wonderful round that he put together, there's still a sign or two of his weakness. It's a little bit like watching Louis Eustazen because you know that he's going to give himself plenty of chances. But will he drop the putts? Um, so that that's always the question when you watch Morikawa. But he's just... And to have come over here and played the Scottish, didn't he? And then, you know, that was his first taste of Lynx golf. And that's not really that Lynxy up at the Renaissance when it's a bit damp. So to come down here and be, to be doing what he's doing, I think that's the most impressive thing. But if you're a great golfer, you can pretty much adapt to, to any conditions in any course. Yeah, you're right about his putting. He must have gone through, I don't know, five, six different putting grips over the last five, six weeks because he's just unsettled and it's not been good. He's tried the long the long up the arm putter. He's tried um, the claw with the right hand, left below right, conventional. He's been all over the place, but he's found something this week. So we know his ball striking is incredible. It is. He's like the Iron Byron in a human body. That's what he is. <laughs> uh, and if he gets that putting going, he's very dangerous. It's an amazing rise to success, isn't it? Because he, his first season on the PGA Tour was 2019. Goes and wins the US PGA Championship 2020 in, a, in his debut in a US PGA. This is his first open championship he's got a great growth mindset uh, a lot of people ask him about um, you know th there are so many expectations of you he says he switches that to goals what do you make of his mental attitude towards <laughs> golf oh i dislike people that have such good positive <laughs> attitudes honestly i think i envy them be a bit miserable i just Is envy them because i wish i had that mindset in life it's but he seems to be i wonder if he's going into that little spell that like McElroy had and Jordan Spieth had, and good to see him coming back. Uh, Brooks Kepka had, where he seemed almost in invincible, but it doesn't last too long in golf. You have it for two, three years, where especially when you're young, you just feel king of the world. Mm. And it's only sort of, you know, freakish players, and I mean that in a positive way, like Tiger Woods, that can keep that going for a whole career. The others who are have, have great spells over two or three years, and I think Morikawa might be, you know, going into the middle of that now, but he's just such a talent um, and yes he prospered you know when other people were you know going through difficult times last year and he clearly you know, felt comfortable with things and, uh, and won the USPGA he would have played the Open Championship last year if it had been held so um, would have been his first then but I just I don't know I, I'm so impressed but at the same time I know there are going to be missed putts there so it's going to be mm. interesting. Well, he's leading at the moment. Obviously, we've got the afternoon players, which we'll speak about in just a moment. But how do you rate his chances over the weekend, Rob? Well, I think the two... It's very difficult to compare anyone to Tiger Woods. But the two people, when I hear them speak, the, that are most Woods-like are John Rahm and Colin Morikawa. And I've heard Colin Morikawa, even as a young lad, when he talked to the press, 
it was so simple and so clear and he was so focused in what he wanted to do it was like it was almost like there wasn't any sideways movement at all because that was a linear rapier like a to b point zero he was going to get there the job was going to get done he's very single-minded he knows what he wants and when players know what they want and they've got talent like ram like morikawa great things happen I remember when um, um, I was sort of growing up and someone worked out the average age of major winners and it was 33 and it was the perceived wisdom, well it wasn't just the perceived wisdom, it was actual fact that players got better and got more experience and into their 30s they knew how to win, whereas now there seems to be players, young players have no fear whatsoever mm. and they believe that they're ready to win majors at a young age yeah. and so it's proved, we've talked about McElroy, we've talked about Jordan Spieth and whoever it might be, Morikawa now, so um, I think he uh, plays without fear at all you know sometimes experience is not a good thing it's scar tissue for players and yeah. Morikawa doesn't have any of that is that changing though in this modern age why is that changing why is there less fear I th you, you know the college system in America has always been really really good because you sometimes your coach at the college is not a swing coach he, he actually gets the buses and the cars and gets you from A to B and does the itinerary that's what he is as a coach but now you know, you look at that Oklahoma State team, you look at Matt Wolf. you look at uh, Victor Hovland, you look at Morikawa. He wasn't Oklahoma State, by the way, but, but they're producing so many players. Yeah. And, of course, they've got a blueprint. You know, mm. what Spieth did as a young guy when he came out on tour, didn't even bother finishing college, said, I'm going to go on the pro tour and I'm going to make millions and I'm going to win X, Y and Z. <laughs> and, you know, three majors in quick succession. Mm. He is the blueprint for the guys coming out of college. Um, you mentioned Jordan Spieth there, Rob. He is um, eight under par. He's just played the 11th. Uh, three, uh, four birdies, in fact, and one drop shot on the third. But he's, yeah, three, bird, four, three birdies in his first four holes. Got off to a, a little bit of a mini streak. But what kind of Jordan Spieth are you seeing this week? Uh, he's an amazing player, Jordan Spieth. I, I, you know, largely when he puts something together, there are miracles in there. Yeah. It's not, it's not like the normal player who has a little save. He, he, he pulls out miracles every time he wins an amazing. You know, can imagine what he did um, when he won his last Open, when he won the Open. You yeah, know what he did at 13 mm. and the run in and Kuchar was right there and yeah. it didn't happen because because miracles happened. He seems to do it all the time. Is his, has his uh, performance over the last six months changed? What have you seen? Well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely. I mean, he was he was away. Jordan Spieth, he was written off. I remember having a chat with um, uh, Paul Azinger at the Masters one year, and Jordan Spieth. He said, Jordan Spieth, come up to me and said, Yeah, I'm getting it back. I'm getting it back. And Paul Azinger was saying, You know, this guy's just trying to convince himself. He's 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 away. And so I have nothing but admiration for the way he's come back because you do get written off. And in golf, is cruel when you lose your confidence and lose your way. Yeah, that can be it. But there are players who have come back. I think of Stenson, you know, in the past as well from having a real dip. And Lee Westwood had a real dip and came back. So Jordan Spieth doing that. But here's the thing. I would much rather watch. So I would admire Morikawa for his play, especially uh -huh. from Teeth Green. But I would enjoy watching Jordan Spieth because he's all animation and noise and chatter. Yeah. And he's frustrated and he's that talking chatter. away to Mike Greller. And it's just entertaining to mm. watch. And he's a great scrambler. He'll get into trouble. He'll get himself out of it with a bit of magic. So I would... Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him play over the weekend. But does it not sometimes get to the point of annoying? Yeah, yes, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can be annoyed watching can Jordan Spieth. Yes, I can. I can be I'm annoyed, annoyed watching Jordan Spieth. Oh, my goodness. Especially when he was in that, that trough and everything was... Did you see that bounce? And did you say, I can't believe that? You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was grating it, after a while. It was, but it's something, though, isn't it? It's something it I don't want to see. I don't want to see robots. You're right. No, I rail right. against the bland. Yeah. I agree with you. I rail against the bland. But Little Richard. Jordan, 
No, I get, I get it because the world's against me. But that's, that's golf, isn't it? You've got people who believe the world's against yeah. them. But sometimes the people who are the, the best at what they do believe that it's never their fault. And there's a, certainly an element of that to, to Jordan Spieth and probably most golfers. Sure. You know, DeChambeau would be another one. So and he's I'm, a big, I'm a big DeChambeau fan, so, you know, yeah. He is fascinating to watch, DeChambeau. It's different, isn't he? he? He certainly is. But yeah. I, I love watching Jordan Spieth. I think he probably needs to lie down after his round of golf because so much energy goes into it. Uh, we've got to speak about, oh, just really quick, Andrew, how do you feel he'll do over the weekend? A few holes to play for him, and he's eight under par at the moment through 11. Well, I said before the tournament, and this sounds like hindsight for people saying, well, I picked. Yes, it uh, will. I did. I did. Yes, it will. But I picked Jordan Spieth, but it wasn't, it wasn't difficult to pick Jordan Spieth because no. of his record in the majors. John Rahm or Jordan, Jordan Spieth? John Rahm. I picked, I picked, and we can add this in later. Okay. Well, I remember picking Jordan Spieth <laughs> to win. Um, so I think he's going to do very well. I've got a text proving it, actually, from Wednesday. So I'll show you my I'll text. tell you who I know is going to be there or thereabouts, Ustez and Morikawa, because yeah. their games are just too solid for them to have the nightmare run. They'll, they'll always be there or thereabouts, but again, will they hold enough putts? But uh, Jordan Spieth will take you on a bit of an adventure, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that he'll he'll be figuring somewhere in the mix. You mentioned Louis Ousseys, and he's also eight under par, played nine holes, two under for the day, just two birdies, no drop shots, that consistency again and again. Winner of the Open in 2010, yeah, lost the playoff, didn't he, 2015, but he, he, he's a fantastic player. Well, yeah, but it can't be coincidence. If you've had six runner-up places yeah. in majors since that win at St Andrews 11 years ago, if you've finished runner-up six times and not added to that, that, that must be more than just ill fortune. That must be something about just not quite being able to drop the putts uh, coming down the stretch. And we have seen that from Oosthuizen. And so again, he'll he'll be there, but will he be will he be the number one? Oosthuizen uh, is just a guy. If he makes enough money to buy another tractor, he's happy. I love the tractors. I don't think I don't think he's driven. I don't think he's got that obsession mm. with the drive to achieve. I just don't think. I think he's a happy-go-lucky guy that's super talented, and at some point probably pick up another major somewhere yeah. I do yeah. but it's second place combine harvester it's all good so. yeah. <laughs> love those combine harvesters another lovely feel good factor story is Marcel Seam who qualified for this event by winning a challenge short event last week on Sunday he turned 41 yesterday so lots of birthday wishes to him um, he the had new so 20 it is well, thanks Rob yeah actually 42 uh, life begins at 42 does it really 42 does. was the answer to the universe that? and everything remember that yes it was really okay yeah. moving Hitchhiker's on guy at the galaxy oh, what? oh okay mm. I'll take note of that uh had his birthday yesterday didn't reply to all the texts he was pretty tired um he said he had to turn his phone off what <laughs> are you laughing at no, it's just because like i'll text someone and that's probably the excuse i'll get so you didn't reply to my text <laughs> oh no i was pretty tired with everything because Andrew, i was sorry, le- so. you know i was in contention at the open you can never say that though <laughs> yeah so as my mother though why didn't you reply to my text <laughs> mother well i was pretty tired andrew and also i don't like you <laughs> yeah but see watching marcel seem talking yes, about jordan spieth watching him play and you know you're going to get that emotional ride marcel seem is even more i mean he is yeah but he, he was loving every oh, shot today, I just know, lapping but this it up. is a huge week for him, and it's just enormous. So that's what you get in these championships. You don't get just the people going for the win or the people trying to make the cut. You get Marcel Seam, who's slipped away. He's on the Challenge Tour, trying yeah. to get his card back. You know, he's won recently on the Challenge Tour, but this this could seal his return mm. to, not quite the big time, but back to tour and back to security in his, mm. in his job. And, and with Marcel Seam, you watch him and you think, there's a guy... God damn it, he cares. It's just, he it's cares, all laid out right. there and it, it can be painful to watch at times, but, you I mean, know, he's a genuine it is guy. massive. If you think about the grind of the Challenge the, Tour. But any player and that's won on a big tour and goes back to the Challenge Tour, well, they have got the grind. It's so hard, isn't it? It's it so is hard. hard. He hasn't won in seven years. His last victory was... 
2014. But he is really trying to embrace it. His daughter said to him yesterday when he shot, what was it, three under, he said, she said, oh, daddy, can you go and can you just go and win again this week? Um, so he's taking that. He's, he's taking those good vibes from his daughter. We can hear the applause from the 18th grandstand right now. It's absolutely brilliant to be here. Yeah, it's for the it's for the the middle section of this podcast, which has been strong, and they've just lifted us a little bit. So we're responding now are to they, the crowd. Are they actually clapping at us? Yeah, yes. they are. But this is what I love actually, the, the the players who have brought you know, feed off the energy of the crowd as well. You know, Tommy Fleetwood was talking about yeah. it. Um, it's Ian Poulter, actually. Is it? Yes. Oh, he feeds off the energy of the crowd, doesn't he? Does. He, so he needs a crowd. He needs a crowd, but he's going pretty well today as well. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of that's been the fascinating thing over the last year. You've had sport, but it's been a shadow of its former self, and a lot of players in all sports. Um, have sort of fallen away because they not just because of the, the travel and the conditions of going from hotel to course or whatever and remaining within that bubble because when they get there they're not getting any response and it doesn't feel like a sporting event and a lot of sports people love to show off in front of a crowd for, for want of a better phrase because they like to put on a bit of a show and they, they use the crowd and so I think this is going to make a big difference to a lot of uh, players in a lot mm. of sports. I'll also argue the opposite by the way that some people yes, have thrived absolutely. in the silence there's yeah. no question about it. Who's that? Well, I'm, you could, I'm not going to say it was the case, yeah. but would Colin Morikawa have won a mm. PGA oh, Championship absolutely. coming down the stretch with the pressure and the mm. people and the get in the hole and all that stuff going on? Would he have, in his vacuum that he was able to play in, would it have been the same if it was stacked, you know, wall to wall, 10 deep people all the way down the stretch? Yeah. Yeah. Don't know. Mm. No, but, but it, might be, it might have been the ideal start to his major career because then you get the win in front of no crowd. Yes. Yeah. And then you come here and you feel a bit more confident because you've yep. got that win already. You're so. able to cope. Just to update you on Ian Poulter's score, five under for the day through 17. We'll just we'll hear what he's going to do on 18. So he's three under for the Yeah, but we'll claim it. If there's a cheer, we'll claim it. I, I mean, it's obviously us. Of course. It's obviously Obst. us. He's actually staying on the driving range, oh, Poulter's. Is. That was he's a groan for a, that line there. Did you hear that? Oh, oh what was disappointing. It? Oh, I don't know. No. It's just a groan of some disgust. Oh, yeah. gosh. Well, Ian Poulter is staying on the driving range and he's loving the fact that he's so close to On the, the driving course. range? On the driving range. He's got like a Winnebago. Oh. Yeah, and he had spaghetti bolognese last night. Oh, this is detail. Padding. I love this detail. Yeah, he did. And he, he, he cooked it. Did he it. cook? He cooked it, and I saw the... old the... spag bog is the old go-to first well, dish, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. Can you cook spag bog? You've got to get on Instagram and see all these amazing things. Uh, we go back to Marcel Seam, and obviously he's loving every second right now, and we can hear from him after his second round today. I'm very, very happy now after birdieing 17 and 18. Um, I had a f left out the, a few chances today. Um, hit good putts, actually, but uh, misread them. Um, yeah, I'm super happy. Uh, I think that holding this putt on 18 uh, was was amazing, amazing feeling. I, I have to stay humbled, you know. I, I'm, I lost my card. I'm coming from nowhere. And I will definitely try my best uh, to compete, but uh, I, can, I can't give any any predictions. I'm I'm very calm at the moment. I'm focused. My game is there. My putting is good. Um, I will definitely try to. Yeah, to, to, to play my best and, and, and stay calm and, and hopefully I'll be up uh, on the leaderboard somewhere. <laughs> so Marcel is not the only one on six under par. We've got a few other players as Andrew Cotter picks up some sun, much needed sun. We have got, got a great view on the first here. We can see on the 18th fairway, Brooks Kepka, who is going really well. Four under par, three under four the day. And um, Andrew, I heard him in the press conference at the beginning of the week, doesn't like the course. No, I know, but he said it doesn't matter, does it? Doesn't he said, I don't have to love the course. I mean, a lot of players think St. George's, because of the blind shots, they like to... 
they like to see what they're going to get, and they like to be able to see where they're going to land the ball, and they like they don't like cruel bounces. And Rob's their a data, they want all their data farms yeah, exactly. to come in and make sure that they extrapolate every ounce of something they can get out of a golf course. Yeah. They don't like vagaries. Brooks has had seven birdies, three bogeys today. There are, there are a lot of birdie opportunities out there this afternoon. Yeah, I think Brooks Koepka is... I mean, he's... What score is he at at the moment? This he is a fairly professional. Four, uh, four under par yeah, I mean, he's, he plays God. his second on 18. He's Again, right there. He's right there. He's right, he's there. right yeah. there. You know, if he birdies the last, In but even if he doesn't, today. you know, he's got, a, he's got 36 holes to try and make up what is probably going to be no more than a handful of shots. And he's a cutter, and it's a right-hand pin. This oh. is perfect for him. Oh, can we do some live commentary here? This we would could, be yeah. quite yeah, a comeback go, for go, the BBC. Go, go. So this is why we got you. Go on. Kempka then, second into the 18th. Ricky Elliott standing just a few feet away. I'm sure this is technically against the contract rights for broadcast but I'm doing some commentary Looks holding great. that finish fires it, it into cheer? the 18th yeah. and does the cheer come it does and he knocks it into just a few feet and I can make it up to be honest a unicorn has galloped across <laughs> the back of the 18th green off into the sunset <laughs> so that'll be a free drop for Kepka oh, honestly you cannot teach that that's wonderful best not to teach we that. will hopefully find out what Brooks Kepka finishes with. But I want to go back to a few of the other players. I mentioned Emiliano Grio, a brilliant 64 from him to Tai Marakawa to also get to six under par. His approach shot lipped out on 18 for that 63. Nine birdies today, Rob, including on 17 and 18. And he came home in 30 strokes. That's a great final nine holes. Yeah, he's a very talented young guy, you know, and he's always been a really good ball striker. Good ball strikers love Lynx turf, they do, because that separates the men from from the boys, as they say, and a guy like Kepka, the way he hits it, the way he's on top of it, would just adore the conditions here at Royal St George's because they are, if you're a Lynx aficionado this week, they are perfect. Mm. Uh, South African Daniel Van Tonder, a lovely 66 from him to be at six under par. Great uh, score this morning, and Justin Harding, fellow South African, also six under. And Andy Sullivan as well had a, a super round this morning, he's at six under. He got underway in that first group on Thursday morning at 6.35 a.m. with Richard Bland. It's, uh, it's Andy's six uh, open, and uh, he was hitting a lot of fairways today, Rob. You like his game for the weekend? Yes. Anyone who's six under par is playing well, plainly. And if, they've, if you think they've got a big-time mentality and they've got that go thing in them, which I think he has, he'll be absolutely reveling the chance to go at it toe-to-toe with another big star on a Saturday at an open, post something that's tasty, Everyone just needs to give themselves a shout on Sunday. Yeah. And so s- tomorrow, I love Saturday at the Open Championship. Yeah. A lot of Englishmen in contention, Andrew, which will please well, you as a Scotsman. I mean, I, I added them up. So 27 English players, yeah. uh, just one Scot and Bob McIntyre, nobody from <laughs> Wales, two Northern <laughs> Irish and Darren Clark and Rory McIlroy. I mean, it's a little bit... Is it worrying for the other countries? one-sided, perhaps? A little bit As one-sided. As you say that, you put your hand on your hip there. I know. A little bit, bit worried as a um, Yes, I'm always worried as a Scot. Well, I'm just... I mean, there are some good players coming through, but Paul it's Casey. just slightly... Paul Casey's five under. He's not Scottish. Oh, no, right. he's English, yes. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's doing well. Paul Casey, he's a threat, isn't he? Yeah. Who else have we got? Danny Willett uh, has finished at four under par. Willett playing in his ninth open, Rob. Uh, he was tied six in 2019, likes the Open Championship, loves it. Well, so he should. I, there's, there's not a British-European player, because we. I know it's the Open, the World's Open, but we think it's our Open, because the Americans have got their Open, 
we think it's our open, but it's an international thing. It's everybody's open, but the British and Irish and Europeans can't help feeling that it, there's a bit of it, a chunk of it, that belongs to them. I just want to mention Rory McIlroy, uh, speaking of the Northern Irish. 70 today, another 70 level par. You, you squirming there, Andrew? I don't know. I just, I don't, I feel, I, I don't know. I, I, everybody loves Rory McIlroy, I, I would think. He's just because he's so engaging and honest and interesting, and he is one of the greatest talents ever to have played the game. But I just, and I, I hope that it's not, he's had his. Run. His run, but it, it might be the case because, and people always say, oh, he's too big a talent never to win a major, but there are a hell of a number of players they out there. They don't give now. him away, do they? They don't. They I don't. mean, you know, he will still go down. Whatever happens is one of the greatest players ever to have played the game, but mm. I just wonder if he. Does he hold enough putts? Has he got that special thing? He had, when he won his majors, he just played in a different gear to the rest. And I don't think he has that different gear at the moment. Perhaps mm. he'll get it again. But, um, yeah. you know, he's, he needs something special with the weekend here. But, you know, in fairness to Rory, we think, oh, he's not playing. He, st- he still won at Quail Hollow. Yeah. Yes. He still won the PJ Tour. Yeah. Yes. You look at him and think, oh, he's, 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 he's dogging it. But he's, he's very close. And yeah. he likes he was He was very close him. at the US Open. Yeah. Yeah. Hit yeah. a brilliant shot onto the 11th. If he hadn't a three-putted mm. it, who knows? He could have given Rama a run right to the line. Yeah. He's not far I, away, I'm telling you. I, I watched him for half an hour on the range the other night. Yeah. No one bothered. I just watched him. Yeah. He's not far away. I think it, I think it gets a bit frustrating, the, the pressure. Nothing like Port Rush, but sure. even at any Open Championship, yeah. there's so much attention on him, the crowd and the movement, and, and it just unsettles him a little bit. So I think he's, always, I think he's a bit happier playing over in the, the States than he are. I know he'd love to win a, another Open yeah. Championship, but I always think he's just a little bit really, happier. Really, just a little bit a more little bit out, Yeah, I just, I think so, but that's mm. just, the, you know, the kind of stuff that, the attention that used to come down on Henman or Murray or Wimbledon yeah. or whatever it is, you know, it's, uh, people love him and they want him to do well, but he can't escape the glare. See, I, I think, I think that's harder. I, I think what Andrew said there, I think it's harder when you know that everyone wants you to do well. Yes. I think it's much easier going into an anti-situation yeah, where you right. think, yeah. you know, that the empathy, all, all of that stuff is against me. Right, I'm going to show you. Yeah. Well, when, yeah. when you've got to perform because, you know, everybody wants you and everybody loves you, they all want you to do well. Yeah. I think that's hard. Well, it's yeah, a bit like Shane Lowry went under the radar, didn't he, in 2019? Yeah, Rory Because all the attention was on him, absolutely. on Rory. Yeah. It was with um, Rory until he missed the cut. And so that, that run yeah. down the back nine and Rory tried to make the cut only only the open at that point and then after that Larry picked up the mantle he did yeah. 63 on the Saturday it was, I was speaking to the Rose camp actually yesterday and they were saying how Justin Rose he wants to just go about his business quietly you know this week doesn't want too much attention on him I think he can yeah, yeah uh, but Rory's he he's nine back you know nine shots back mm. I mean they used to have the 10 shot rule for a reason that they believed that anyone within 10 mm. shots had a chance but it also depends how many people are in front of you as well yeah. um, I'm, I I would think at the moment uh, that that is too far back and probably too many people in front of it. but you never say never with Rory McIlroy because no. he could get on that run but it, it, it seems to be playing out almost the way that so many majors have played out in the last few years where McIlroy just scrapes in on the cut and then he'll he comes to do something and he'll backdoor to top 10 finish and he hates that yeah. it means nothing to no. him there's nothing to him to finish in the top 10 no. always, and you look at the records and say oh he finished 7th at the Open there but it, uh, you know if he's yeah. not contending but we saw it as Rob said we saw it at the US Open so he's not far away mm. 
you know, he was in contention there for a while. Um, he could come out tomorrow morning and shoot 63. He yes, could. Yeah. At yes. seven under here, he could shoot seven under, which is like a 65 on another course. He could do that. Yeah. And well, we hope, seven we, under, we hope so. Early, There's so many fans here. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we really you just can never say it. that Rory can't do it. That, he's that, uh, what Andrew's saying, he's just that good. You can never mm. absolutely say and put your house on it that he can't do it because mm. he can. So many interesting storylines developing and uh, one of the great stories is Matthias Schmidt, the amateur. 65, the joint lowest round by an amateur in history in the history of the Open Championship. The only other amateur to shoot 65. You'll remember this, uh, Rob, and you, is Andrew. Tom Lewis, no? Correct. Tom oh, Lewis in 2011 yeah. with his famous first round here at Royal St. George's. Matthias is a two-time European amateur champion. Played in Port Rush in 2019, missed the cut though. Uh, no three putts and 16 greens in regulation today. Oh, that is, I love. That's what I always wanted to do when I was playing golf. I, I kind of like just ignored the putting. I wanted to hit, see how many greens in regulation I could hit in a round. And if you got over 12, you're delighted. But if you hit 16 yeah. greens, someone would say, you must be thrilled, Andrew. You go, no, I missed two. Oh, I missed two. <laughs> you concentrate on the two you missed. But a, a great storyline. And uh, we wish him well. We'll see how he will do over the weekend. Well, we still don't know whether Eugene Lin will make the cut. He's two over par at the moment. But if he doesn't, the silver medal will go to Matthias Schmidt, who has made the cut. We've not had a silver medalist since Sam Locke in 2018 but for Eugene Lin still the back nine to play. Today has been a round of low scoring the cut mark at the moment looks like one over par at the time of recording but there's still a lot of golf out there. INSEE has been following some of those who had a fight on their hands to make the cut. Friday can be a very nervy day not least when it's the Open Championship. Today we'll be following some of those groups who no doubt will be feeling the nerves and hoping to make the cut. On the tee from England, Sam Forgan. Sam Forgan has had an incredible journey to Royal St George's and starts his second round at three over. The cut is looking like it'll be around one over, so he's got to have the round of his life. Can he extend his Open experience into the weekend? Two groups behind him features two big names with similar fight on their hands. Patrick Cantley sits on four over, whilst Englishman Matt Fitzpatrick is right on the line at one over. Matthias Schmidt, the German amateur. So far having a great day, five birdies so far. It's brought him into touching distance of the weekend here at the Open. Oh. He was going for the three birdies in a row. 65 for Matthias Schmidt. Not too bad. Tying the lowest amateur round at any sort of venue at the Open. I'm just currently located just right at the tee box here on the par 3 16th. Watching Sam Forgan. We caught up with him earlier on the first tee. Had a lot of work to do after yesterday's round. Unfortunately, it's not looking like it's going his way, but there's no doubt you will absolutely treasure his open experience and enjoy that walk down the 18th. At last, it doesn't look like Sam Forgan or Patrick Cantley will be teeing off on Saturday, but the latter's playing partner, Matt Fitzpatrick, may be breathing just that little bit easier, improving his score to even par and sitting within the projected cut at one under. For some, the wait continues. We have just heard a huge roar on 16, I believe it was. Well, it will be 16, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Who was it? Rob? Oh, I don't know, I just can't <laughs> see from here. Just can't see from here. But it's great, isn't it? Little amphitheatres all over the all over the course. How many grandstands do you know? Do you know those stats, Andrew? Yes, I do. Oh. Seventy three thousand grandstands. Seventy three thousand one starters hut. That's remarkable. Yep. I love the knowledge that you bring to this podcast. Lee Westwood won over par through ten holes. Uh, we we were hoping for a little bit more on the first two rounds from him. Yeah, you know, he's he's I still believe it may be um romance on my part but i still believe somewhere along the line lee westwood might win a major i still think that he's that good he's that good from tee to green he what could, is it? He could out, majors he could out tee to green the field he could yeah exactly well we started off talking about colin morikawa and louis Oosthuizen, and you know players who can win a major without being absolutely nailed on with the putter well they're good enough to do it and Lee Westwood still is good enough mm. I think he needs to have uh, courses where his experience tells at Augusta and uh, or on Lynx courses where you know he's I thought I thought this week I did think this week that he, he might is. feature because you know it's so tight the rough's so thick and he just doesn't miss many fairways but not to be John Rahm three under par for the day two under for the championship he's making a move slowly Rob he is he's the best golfer in the world it's as simple as that John Rahm is the best golfer on the planet because he has no weaknesses mentally he's as sharp as a tech he's got the passion uh, he's got passion which I love to see I don't mind the odd head loss on the golf course like we were talking earlier I rail against the bland and John Rahm floats my boat (laughs) I reckon that's been a hole in one at the 16th because there was a cheer, there was a roar, and then they've just acknowledged as if somebody's picking the ball out of the hole right. as well. Yeah, so, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, because there was a time for them to walk up to the green, and so this is my vivid imagination again, but I think there's been a hole in one at the 16th. It was. It was. It was Jonathan Thompson. Jonathan Digger. He's massive. <laughs> yes. I watched him in practice, and Big there is nobody that. with bigger legs in golf than Jigger Thompson. Well, that's really? a great story yeah, as well. That's very nice. Oh, yeah. fantastic to have a hole in one here. Well, <laughs> Andrew, it's been absolutely fantastic. And the hand on the hip honestly does it for me. Yeah, it's brilliant. It. Yep. It's authoritative and it's strong. Okay, and it's a teapot. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you so much. Cheers, Goodbye. Andrew. Um, Andrew is available on BBC all week as he leaves the first. Thank you. Fantastic. Rob, you're, you're staying with me for just a moment longer. I just do what I'm told. The lowest score here, Open Championship score, 13 under, Greg Norman. Is that going to be beaten this week? It's under pressure, definitely, because of the amount of players that have played well over these two days and the softness of the course course, and no real 20, 25 mile an hour blowout. There's a chance. If it remains the same over the next two days, they will get past 13 under. I thought 10 under par was a good winning score at the start of the week. I've had to recalibrate because the conditions right now, I mean, for links. On the edge of St Andrews, uh, Sandwich Bay, with this golf course as it is and the condition it's in, even though it's drying out slightly with the breeze and the sunshine, it's still for a Lynx course. It's not burnt. It's not rock hard. It's beautiful. So I think yeah. I think 13 under par will be mm, breached. Hopefully records will be broken. It doesn't matter what the, the winning weekend. score is. What you want is a great competition and a great winner. You we still get that. If it's 21 we? under yeah. or 1 under, you still get that. It doesn't yeah. matter. The obsession with the winning score, thankfully, the RNA don't have. Rob, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And to Andrew as well. Make sure to subscribe to the Open Podcast with notifications turned on so you don't miss tomorrow's episode as soon as it's live. This has been fun. Can't wait for the weekend. Everything has led to this, a milestone championship. For the first time ever, we will run a ticket ballot for the 150th Open at St Andrews in 2022. We expect unprecedented demand 
and everyone should have the chance to be there. It's fairer, it's more inclusive, it's safer. What's not to like? Find out more and sign up now at theopen.com. This has been an original audio production from The Open.